Good morning. It's good to see all of you today. I'm so glad that you're here. I appreciate you coming to our church. If you're a guest, we are honored to have you. I, uh, my name is Kent, and I am usually the worship pastor, but um, I'm in the rotation. What happens is when you take a couple weeks vacation, this is what happens. You get thrown into this thing two weeks in a row, so I'll be here this week and next week. The theme of our sermon series is I Love My Church. How many of you love your church today? Amen. It's a good church, isn't it? It's a great church. And we're just part of a bigger portion, the body of Christ. I, uh, my, my message today is called We Believe. That's the theme that I have uh, on this sermon title. When Jeff and I got this series of sermons, I started looking at them. We were just like both like, let's do it now. Because we love our church. And we want to talk about our church. And we believe. So I told Pete, I said, Pete, I need you to get me a video together that shows somebody that believes in something. He called me and said, come over here. I walked over in his cubicle and he showed me that. I had to take two Dramamine and watch it. (laughs) Any of you know what this is? Well, was I the only one that didn't know what a carabiner? I I took me three days to memorize. I put it, wrote it on my deck, carabiner. This is a carabiner and it's a, uh, a, a security kind of a thing. And so this is what they use to do that kind of craziness. And those people believe in these. That's why I've never done that. <laughs> carabiner. Okay, so you know what a carabiner is. Well, I got to thinking about this. We believe, and, and I like to look at words and, and, and find the meanings of words. And so I, I got on the internet and I looked up the word believe. And uh, this is what it says at dictionary.com. The word believe is a verb. And it says to have confidence in the truth, the existence or the reliability of something, although without absolute proof. (laughs) Webster's definition was uh, believe, uh, inflected forms of the word is believed or believing, and it says to have confidence as true or to have a firm religious faith. What we just saw was folks who believed in these carabiners and these straps and the people that set this thing up, they were jumping off of a 357-foot cliff, okay, 196 feet they would go down, and, they, and with that thing stretching, they were 29 feet from the ground. You'd have to blindfold me, tie me up, and throw me off of that thing. They believed. They believed in what they were doing. And, you know, as I got to thinking about this, as Christians, what do we believe? And I want to ask you this morning personally, what do you believe? What is it that you believe? Only if we believe in something can we act purposefully. Only if we believe in something can we act purposefully. Listen to this statement, this phrase. I I read this, and, and it's got King's English in it, so I'm going to break it down but listen to this. It says, understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that thou mayest believe, but believe that thou mayest understand. In other words, don't seek to understand that you may believe, but believe that you may understand. Does that, did you get that? So many times in the church, I deal with people, we talk to people, and they go, well, but if I just could understand it, that's not how it works. You believe it, and it becomes understanding. Does that make sense? 
Those of you that have walked this path of faith for years, did you understand, understand all of it at the beginning? Do you understand all of it now? I had a professor in college, had a THD, earned, yeah, 12 years. I'm tangled up in this wire somehow. Anyway, you know what he said to me? He said, I've studied all these years. I've studied Hebrew, Greek. He preached out of Greek New Testament. You know what he said? He said, I have more questions than I do answers. But here's what I do have. What I know, I believe. And I know it to be true. And it changed his life. And he, in fact, touched my life. In other words, we, we, don't un- we believe so that we can understand. There was a, a, this is an example. There was a man talking to a, an older church man, church member. And this young guy was talking to him, and he said, I want to ask you some questions about your church. He said, all right. He said, uh, what, what, uh, what does your church believe? He said, well, uh, it believes what I do. He says, well, what, what, do, what do you believe? He said, the same as they do. <laughs> and said, well, what does both of you believe the same thing? <laughs> and that's how it is, isn't it, a lot of times? You know, we, we, we believe because we believe, but we can't really explain why we believe. But I want to tell you seven things today, and we believe more than this, but seven things uh, here at our church that we believe. And one more point that I want to make here, and this is, this, is, this, is, this is really, I want you to get this. What we believe determines how we behave. Let that one soak in a minute. What we believe determines how we behave. Does that mean we're perfect? No. Does that mean we're going to mess up? Yeah. Does that mean we're going to repent? Absolutely. And does it mean we're going to turn? Absolutely. What we believe determines how we behave. So here at this church, we believe more than seven things, but these are seven things that I think are important, and I want to share them with you today. Now, before I start that, I want to tell you, some of you have asked me when I'm preaching, um, what Bible did I use? And this was like a uh, Abbott and Costello thing. They said, what Bible do you use? I said, God's Word. They go, what? God's Word. And I'm like, they're all God's Word. And I'm like, no, but this is God's Word. See, you guys aren't understanding what I'm saying either. This is the God's Word version, okay? It took me three days to explain that to the office <laughs> when they went to put it on the, on the screen. It was like, I want to use God's Word. Okay, Kent, we got that, but what, what version is it? And I'm like, God's Word. But anyway, some of you said you like this version, and so I just want to tell you, uh, it is literally God's Word, and you can find it. It's a newer version, but it's, it, I really like it a lot. It's great, easy kind of a, a, a current reading uh, level, and so here we go. We're going to read uh, the first passage of Scripture. We believe in God the Father, and we're going to read out of Matthew 6, and here's what it says. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, let your name be kept holy. And then also in Matthew 7... Even though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, so how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You know, you can take scripture and proof text anything, right? You ever been in a discussion with somebody and they go, well, such and such believes this, such and such believes this. Listen, we believe that God, we believe in God the Father, and we believe that he was from the beginning. And the word is Baruch, it's a Hebrew word. It says, in the beginning, he took nothing and made something. How cool is that? Mankind has never done that, by the way. We take something, and we make something else out of it. And sometimes it's a mess. 
But God took nothing and created something. He is Father God, and we believe that. You know, this might be tough for some of you today that are sitting in this congregation. I think I shared this story with you. Uh, years ago, I was at a, in Tennessee, and I was a, a preaching at a church, and it was on Father's Day, and I came out, and this guy came up to me, and he said, Son, I just want to tell you something. I, I like you so much, so, sort of. He was, he was pretty hardcore, and he said, But here's the deal. I don't buy any of that of what you're saying about the Father thing today. And I said, Well... Why is that? And he said, because my father wasn't a very good person. And my whole concept of father is off base. And I said, well, let me tell you something. And we sat in the parking lot for about 45 minutes at the, at the church. And I talked to this fellow, and I began to share with him scripture. And I said, we believe that God is a good God and that God loved you. And I and went on to share with him about the gospel and, and, and it took a while, and I said, can I pray with you? And we prayed, and then he'd cry. And then it, what I found out was there was a lot of hurt here. He'd been hurt. Before it was over, he accepted Christ. Don't tell me God isn't powerful. God can create the world. He can take chaos. He can take your life that's in chaos and put order in it. Somebody say amen. That's good right there. I know because uh, I've experienced that. We believe in God the Father. And you know what? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And that's another reason we believe in God the Father, because he had a Son. We believe in Jesus Christ, which takes me to the next, ver- uh, next section, number two. John, I need John 1.14. There we go. The Word became flesh, or human, and lived among us, and we saw his glory. It was the glory that the Father shares with his only Son, a glory full of kindness and truth. We believe in Jesus Christ. I tell you unapologetically today that I believe Jesus Christ was born, walked this earth, died on a cross, and rose again. And I believe that. And it changed my life. You know, we have people today in this world that want to explain away the miracles of Christ. You know what a miracle is? It's something that you can't explain. Mm Mm-hmm. So how are they going to explain it, she said. It's a good point. I mean, if he created this, now don't get me wrong. If he created this world and set it into motion, what's a miracle for him? You know what I mean? I went to college with a friend of mine, and he's, he's extremely brilliant. And, and, you know, I was like the dumbest one of the bunch. I was the musician. There was three of us that hung out together. We all rode motorcycles, and one of them was a mathematician, and the other one was a scientist, and... Here I am. And we'd sit and talk, and they would talk about all this science and stuff. You know, it wasn't as hard for me because I didn't understand all that stuff to begin with. But my friend, the scientist, went on and, and became very, 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 very successful, and uh, he's, he's done some really cool things. He said, you know, the more I learn about this, though, the, the greater that I really see, the greater God, you know. I mean, he's just amazing. Just studying science. And those of you that are into that, I'm sure when you come from that perspective, you you agree with him on that. We believe in Jesus Christ and we believe that he did miracles. What great things have you seen Jesus do in your life? Let's call it home. Let's call it in. What have you seen him do in your life? I bet we could go around and stay here till 6 o'clock tonight, couldn't we? It's just as real to you and nobody's ever going to take that away from you. What have you seen him do in the lives of others? Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? 
It's life changer. It's a life changer. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. And we believe, now, Baptists, here we go. I'm Baptist, okay? We believe in the Holy Spirit, don't we? Woo! Yeah, we do. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. Read this passage. Let me get this passage of Scripture up here. However, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. He will remind you of everything that I have ever told you, John 14, 26. Jesus, when he left his disciples, he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send one that will teach you things. And those of you that, you know, I see some of you shaking your head. You ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to say? Yeah. And, you, and somebody's challenging you, and all of a sudden, just you get this nudging kind of thing happening? Or have you ever showed up at a place where you're like, why did I do this? Why did, kind of a nudging thing happening? Now, I'm going to tell you the truth, and, and I'm not bragging on this. I'm just telling you the truth. I know for a fact that there are people in this church, I've talked with you, who said that you've heard the audible voice of God. And I believe you. I don't doubt that at all. I'm 56, and that's never happened to me yet. But I'm going to tell you something. I've had the Holy Spirit nudge me and speak to me through some of you and through other people in my life that it was like the voice of God. The Holy Spirit works through you, lives in you, and it is a person of the Holy Spirit. And he said he would give you what you needed to say, right? Talked about that. Don't you forget that. Man, if you're a child of God, whoo, it's not for you to brag about, but you got somebody walking with you. How good is that? Well, remind me of that tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock when the alarm goes off. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Here's one that, uh, you know, let me, let me talk about this just a second. Um, had a guy tell me one day, he said, you know, I, I, you, you get pretty wound up on this gospel thing. And I said, I do. And he said, what's up with that? I said, it's changed my life. It's a life changer. And he said, well, tell me about this crucifixion thing. What, what about this? Do you realize that we have people in this country that don't even understand the story of the cross? You believe that? Make you nervous when I walk down here? <laughs> Had a guy tell me, he said, I won't ever fall asleep when you're preaching because I'm afraid you'll come over and tap me on the shoulder. <laughs> I'm not going to tap you. I'm not going to get close to you, but I like to get in here where I can see you. I'm close enough, right? But we believe in the crucifixion, and we believe in the power of the cross, and that's what is the life changer here. Jesus Christ came, lived, and died for your sins and mine. This story of the gospel started, if you read the book of Genesis, here's the deal. He created this whole world, God the Father. Okay? So he creates this thing, and what's he put right in the center of it? Mankind. That's the crowning jewel. And you know what? He, he wanted to be in a relationship with man. And what did we do? He gave us freedom to choose. Whew. And then all of a sudden, here we go. But God didn't stop. He pursued, didn't he? He made clothes. He pursued. And he continued to pursue. And as you see the whole Old Testament, what's he doing? He's pursuing, and he's pursuing. And then ultimately he comes up to Jesus. And during that time, they had to offer sacrifices, lambs and goats, to, you know, for the atonement of their sins. And then one day, one day, God sent his son, 
Jesus Christ, who I said we just believed in. Walked the earth, talked like, you know, amazing. You know, I was reading the other day, do you know how many days are accounted for in the New Testament of Jesus' life? 314. You think of the impact that he's made on the world. That's amazing, isn't it? Now, his life is talked about, but the events that happened there. Isn't that amazing? And it turned the world upside down, and it's affected you. And he came, and he died on a cross, and guess what happened next? He rose. The crucifixion, and you know, um, I've been here eight years. Probably that's seven and a half too long for some of you. But I've said from day one that we are Easter people. Because you know what separates us as Christ followers and our beliefs? We serve a risen Lord. There is no body. There's an empty tomb. You can't, I mean, you can go to the gravesite, but there's, there's nothing. He's, he's alive. How cool is that, Lee? And he was, 500 people saw him. It wasn't something that we just made up. And it's affected lives all down through the, through the ages. Look at you. You're here today. Why are you here? Why are you here? Somebody drug you? I mean, like, dragged you? (laughs) Not drugged you. (laughs) You're here today because you want to be here. You want to worship. You want to, you know, serve him. That's why this church is here. Because we believe in the crucifixion. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Christ carried our sins in his body on the cross so that freed from our sins, we could live a life that has God's approval. His wounds have healed you. Sometimes I think it's like having a gold card and we don't even use it. We don't even realize sometimes what Christ has done for us. It's overwhelming. And you know what? We've had a lot going on, as Chris said, in the world, in this country in the last month or whatever. But you know what? When we recognize what Jesus did for us, it makes us want to love others, doesn't it? He loved all mankind. And he reached out to all mankind. Doesn't mean we have to agree on everything, does it? Now, y'all getting quiet on me here. Jesus died for the whole world. He died on a cross. And the good news is he conquered death. Jesus conquered death, 1 Corinthians 15, 55, and here's what it says. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Sin gives death its sting, and God's standards give sin its power. Thank God that he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary. To save a wretch like me. Then we go to the chorus. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. And he loved me ere I knew him. And all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Jesus conquered death. I've read that passage of Scripture too many times, I guess, at the graveside. But you know what? As Christians, we, we have hope. This isn't all there is. Jesus conquered death. 
And the really cool thing about that is that he's built a place for us. And in the resurrection, we will have that place. Now, some of you guys in here are builders, right? Any builders in the house? I know there's one. Yeah. Think about this. Because of an empty tomb, we have a promise, and the promise is heaven. And I've seen him follow through in my life many times. How do you know Jesus is real? There was a, a college graduate talking to a, 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 an older gentleman. And any of you go to college and you come out thinking you know everything? I did. I came home. I was excited to tell everybody about what I was learning. They didn't want to hear it. Some of them. So this guy's talking to this old man. This old man's a believer. He's been following the Lord for years. And this young college graduate, he says, let me ask you a question. How do you know that you're saved and that you're going to go with Christ when he comes back? And the old guy sat back and he said, hmm. He said, well, I know I'm saved because I was there when it happened. (laughs) You can't take that away, can you? You can't take that away from If you've experienced Christ, you know he's real in your life. You've experienced these things I'm talking about, and you're looking forward to the day that he comes back. Wouldn't that be cool if he came back by the end of the day today? Talk about fireworks. Jesus is coming back. John 14 says, yes, give me that. Don't be troubled. Believe in God and believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not true, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come again and I'll bring you into my presence so that I will be with where I, that you will be where I am. I've learned that verse in the King James. It's kind of hard to get off of that. So he's built you a mansion as a, as a Christ follower. How cool is that? How cool is that? A new house. I want to read a passage of scripture to you since we're talking about promises. Because you know what? We can get cluttered up with stuff in this world. We need to be encouraged. We need to be encouraging one another. And I love this one right here. This is from Revelation. No S. Catch that? No S. I love when people come with Revelations. I was reading Revelations. It's not Revelations. It's Revelation. Here's what it says in the 21st chapter. I saw a new heaven and a new earth because the first heaven and earth had disappeared and the sea was gone. And when I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven was dressed like a bride, ready for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, God lives with humans. God will make his home with them, and they will be his people. God will be with them and be their God. And listen to this. And he will wipe every tear from their eye. And there will be no more death. There will be no more grief, crying, or pain, because the first things have disappeared. That's the promise that we have. That's the promise that we have. What do you believe today? I got this as an example of, of, you know, things that people believe in. Is what you believe in something that you're strong enough for you to live with? But maybe the bigger question is, is it something that you can die with? What do you believe? You know, um, who do you place your trust in? My wife and I went to college. We got married and then went back to school. We did it backwards. We were married three years. And uh, there's been times in my life when I've fully trusted the Lord. You know what I mean? Like just like all in, like jumping off the thing and just all in. And uh, those are some of the most incredible times in my life. Some of you are shaking your head. You know what I'm talking about, right? 
I want to share a personal story with you. One time I was in Indiana, we were in school, and that, we were making $3,000 a year on work study. Woo! And, uh, and so they'd call me to come and preach at this church and sing. Mostly sing, I think, more than preach. But anyway, I went over there, and uh, we got ready to leave that night, and Diane looked at me, and, and she said, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know. What had happened was we had gone up there four nights in a row and didn't have any money for gas. And we had enough to get there, but we didn't have enough to get home. And so this was one of those jumping off moments, you know what I mean? And she's as level as she can be. That's my wife over there anyway in the white. And I'm like all freaking out. What are we going to do? How are we gonna do? You know, I don't want to walk home. How am I going to get home? What are we going to do? And she's like, God's got this. Just relax. We've got to trust him. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. Come on, relax. I'm like, man, I'm freaking out. So we drive up there. It's out in the country, a little town outside of Bird's Eye, Indiana. And we were trusting the Lord. Now, you know, I'm not telling you to get in your car and take off with a gas tank empty and not enough to get you home. I'm just telling you that sometimes God has a plan that you can't see and you've got to put it in his hands when it's too big. So we took off, went up there. This was the Friday night, and we preached and sang and had a great time, man. I mean, it was awesome. A couple people were saved, and, and revival was good. And, and here I am sitting there with my wife, getting ready to leave this church and wondering, how am I going to get home? So she's looking at me, I'm looking at her, and the guy's locking up the church, and I'm thinking, okay, here we go. Lord, I'm trusting you. And the, the guy come over to me and said, Brother Holland, said, it's been great having you here. He said, uh, we just want to give you this, this little bit here thing to help you get you home. He hands me a check for $600. I was like, well, it would get you real home if they would take a check. I mean, I was grateful to get it, don't get me wrong. But I was like, that, it was overwhelming, wasn't it? And we cried, me and her stood there and cried. And he said, oh, and by the way, come out here to the car. We walked out there, and, and he said, and, and, and it was a farm community, he said, and they've, they've collected up a bunch of corn and vegetables out of their gardens, and they, my car, I couldn't even see out of the car. And I just stood there and cried. But I'm thinking, how am I going to get home? <laughs> I got a check, can't cash it, I got a lot to eat, but I can't get home. And he said, uh, oh, oh, I almost forgot. I mean, we literally got in the car. And I'm thinking, this is cool. Maybe I can sell some of this corn or something. <laughs> Literally got in the car, and he walked up to me and said, oh, I forgot to tell you. He said, when you go out this road, right on the right, he said, there's a man in this church that owns a store, and he wants to fill your car up with gas. We cried all the way back to Oakland City. You ever have those moments in your life where you just think, what am I going to do? I know you have. I know you have. I see you shaking your heads. Aren't those precious? Aren't those precious? And they're as real, they're as real as, you know, that stand right there. What do you believe? What do you believe today? It's a verb. Our beliefs determine our behavior. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we're perfect, but by God's grace, we can be saved and he can love us that's what the story is about those are the things that this church believes that's what this church was founded on somebody had a vision to reach lost people years ago in this church and you know what that vision is not going to stop 
Because this church loves people. Somebody say amen. I know you guys do. I've watched you. Took me two years dragging and kicking to come over here. But look what God can do. Look what he can do. Look what he's doing. Look at the ministries in this church that are teaching these seven things and changing lives. Don't you give up and don't you forget that. Amen? Don't you forget that. It's good news. It's good news. So, what do you believe? Our beliefs determine our behavior. A couple of years back, you know, I've told you about my oldest daughter the other day. I told her, I said, you're giving me liberties to talk about you, right? Because I use you as an example. That was the one that, you know, I had one good one and one that was, whew. <laughs> And she's great. I got two of my grandbabies here today, and, and she, she listens to these podcasts, and she'll call me and go, way to go, Dad. Anyway, she called me. Remember the day she called us and said, hey, Dad, guess what? I just jumped out of an airplane. I said, on purpose? She said it was amazing, it was exhilarating and all this stuff. And I said, you're nuts. She believed in that parachute. She took her lessons. Yesterday, one of my grandkids walked up. You know, guys know my passion is motorcycles. I love Harley Davidson's. And, and I had a bike out and, and my little grandson was there. And he walked up and he goes, Pappy, I want to ride. And he looked up at me and he said, can I ride? And I said, yeah. And he put his hands up like this. And you know what? He believed in me that I was going to be safe with him. What do you believe in? Does it affect the way you behave? Well, we come up to this part of the service, and this is the decision point. And you know what? Um, I don't know. Jesus, in his ministry, would walk along, and people would follow him. He would love on them and talk to them, and they would follow him. In the Protestant religion, what we do as Baptist church, we have what we call the invitation. I don't know when it started. I think it was in like the 1700s, really. And anyway, it's a point in the service where we have a time where you can come and pray. It's a time where you can come and take of the Lord's Supper. We have it here available. Maybe today you're just, just wanting to come forward and just pray. We're not going to dog you to death. We're not going to take your name and chase you down. Uh, we just want to offer that to you today. You can pray right where you're at just as easily as you can here, but we wouldn't feel right leaving here today without giving you the opportunity to pray. We're going to sing, and I love this song. It's, it's a great song. It's called I Surrender All, and that's how we win. That's how we win in this life is by giving it all to him. It's hard to do. That's what, you know, Adam didn't want to do that, right? He wanted to be his own person, and we still struggle with that. But I'm here to tell you, those seven things that we believe, they'll change your life. They'll change your life. You've got a room full of people that will testify to that. Stand with me together. Father, we're grateful. We're grateful that you love us. We're grateful for the things that we've talked about. We're thankful for the cross. We're thankful, Lord, for the resurrection. And we're thankful, Lord, that you're coming back someday. We don't meet you first. Lord, I pray for those that are hurting here today in this time of decision. I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to them through your Holy Spirit. And I pray that as ministers, fellow human beings, that we can pray together and find peace in your name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Sing this with me. Oh, to Jesus.